Everyone has an interesting story to tell, and I want to share them with the world. I am your host, Mr. Minigolf, and this is my show, Par for the Course. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Par for the Course with me, Mr. Minigolf. Last week we heard from Tanner Beard, a Holy Moly contestant, actor, producer, writer, and the co-founder of the Mammoth Film Festival. This week we're hearing from Garrett Beatty, another Holy Moly contestant who is an IT professional. Tune in to hear all about Garrett's story and what he does. The sponsors of this episode for Par for the Course are Night Sports USA, the creators of the fantastic Night Sports 7-Color Spectrum Light Activated Golf Ball, which changes the night game of golf and mini-golf alike. Another sponsor of the show is Swingtime Germantown, my favorite mini-golf course in all of Wisconsin. Experience it for yourself and be amazed. Our next sponsor is Jackpot, the traveling and charitable mini-golf hole-in-one skills contest where you always putt for dough. Lastly, we have minigolfreviews.com, one of the largest mini-golf websites in the world with tons of great mini-golf content. With over 5 million views to date, will you be part of the largest mini-golf empire out there? Now on to the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Par for the Course with Mr. Mini-Golf. Today my guest is Garrett Beatty, and he's he was also a contestant on Season 2 of Holy Moly, but we'll do a special episode with him just on that. But today we want to get to learn the person who is Garrett. So, um, Garrett, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. And uh, let's hear, let's hear your story. I mean, um, it's kind of a, a neat with at least with the show that they grab people from all different walks of life, um, different um, different personalities and characteristics. And um, I know for a fact that everybody that was on the show um, has a great story to tell. So, um, I want to know. Who is Garrett? And I know my audience does too. So um, please introduce yourself and tell us where you're from. And let's let's get into the, the nitty gritty of who Garrett is. Okay. Well, I, like you said, my name is Garrett Beatty. I'm uh, originally from the East Coast. Uh, I grew up there uh, until I was 18 years old. And then I came out to California to go to school at Pepperdine University and uh, spent uh, Five years there because you know it was in Malibu so who wants to leave Malibu after four years I kind of extended it in here well I wouldn't want to leave Malibu I mean I just visiting LA for the first time there's no I didn't want to leave there either <laughs> exactly yeah that's what my parents said my parents said so after school you coming back to East coast and I said what's the weather like over there and they said, <laughs> hot and muggy I'm like no I'm not coming back to East coast so I've been out here in California for almost 40 years. Wow. It's been a, a crazy ride. Um, went into sales initially, thought that would be a good way to go. Uh, found myself involved in various jobs where I was in charge of operations. Uh, when this whole computer thing started happening in the 80s, uh, they, uh, I went worked for this reservation company. They were doing Las Vegas reservations. Uh-huh. They were doing chocolates. And I was like, you know, we could create a little computer program that would put all that on the computer and then you could just put it in and save it that way. Because the chalkboards they were having, they had people overselling rooms all the time because nobody could get up there fast enough to change the nine to an eight. 
<laughs> exactly. so, uh, we put in a Fox Pro database there and it turned that whole business around. And so, you know, I was there for a while. Then they decided to move to Las Vegas. I said, I'm not moving. Las Vegas. I like it here in California. So I stayed out here in California. Uh, went to work for a voice messaging company, again, doing computers and voicemail stuff. Ran that whole thing. Met my wife there, so that was good. Uh, so found myself at AT&T for a while. And then um, things got a little crazy with the whole... Uh, 9-11 thing so there's some challenges there so i got laid off I had to go find a job and one of the local companies here in thousand oaks is called amgen you may be familiar with amgen so i got a job there was doing some computer procurement for them and then moved my way back into the it department at amgen so i was doing stuff with there with their new sap installation that was going well until they decided okay we're going to outsource all of it you're laid off once again. And so found myself at a, a smaller manufacturing company in Oxnard. And I've been there for almost 12 years now. And I put in a brand new ERP system there and time in attendance with Kronos. And uh, we redid the whole data center. So it's been uh, quite a ride on, on the career front. And it's really, really kept me busy, kept me out of trouble. So, you know, from the personal standpoint, you know, I met my wife at this other company, and then uh, we had a son back in 2006, and he started growing, and he got into about, you know, third, fourth, about, I think it was, yeah, second grade, and I saw a flyer up on the wall at their school about Boy Scouts, and I was a scout when I was younger. I was a wee boy. That's about as far as I got. Okay. okay. I mean, it's a great program. So let me look into this with him and see if he's interested in doing it. So we got involved in it, uh, found a pack, and got really involved with them, had a lot of fun. We went to a lot of meetings. They made me the den leader. And then uh, we, we actually won the Pinewood Derby one year. Because when I was in Weedlows, I had lost the Pinewood Derby. Sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Upset that I didn't win. But when he won, that was one of the happiest days of my life because I got my retribution. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um Anyway, went on to work, you know, he wanted to stay in scouting. He liked it, enjoyed it. He's liked spending time with me, of course. So he continued to do the camp outs, got involved with the troop. And then the troop wanted me to be more of a leader with them. So one thing led to another, I became the committee chair. The district wanted me involved, I actually created a website for the, for the at that time it was the Pinano Valley District, and created a website for them. And then after that went on, they said, hey, you know, you make a great district chair. Why'd you be district chair? So now I'm district chair. It actually, with all the stuff that's going on with Boy Scouts, I've had to merge the two districts together. So now it's called the Tierra Auto District. And I'm committee chair of that. Still run the website. Still involved with my troop. I'm actually committee chair of that as well still. So there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So uh, with Pinewood Derby, so for me, I was never the one that would uh, design a car to be the fastest. I was always the one that designed the car to be like the coolest or the most creative. Like hey. uh, one of my first, I think my first one was uh, I made one that was a Snickers bar and basically yeah. it was just a, a, a brown block basically didn't. And I made it all by myself with my dad just helped me uh, get the tools together. But basically <laughs> I just sanded that uh, block down, made it kind of bumpy and uh, rigid. And then I actually took a king size Snicker bar 
ate that. So that was my treat. And then wrapper right on the on the block of wood, and boom, I called it my car. Definitely was not a winner in regards to speed. It was probably one of the slowest cars, um, but mm. it was definitely one of a crowd favorite. And every year, I always would get bigger and better. I did one that was like a, a, a full a hot dog with the works. Uh, did a, a a Volkswagen Beetle. Did a, a dragon that was breathing fire. I think that was my very last one. And then uh, I think I also did one that was a shark. So it was always more for the creative side, not the uh, um, the speed. Yeah, for sure. Definitely was always one of the last cars. But if you're the slowest car in a Pinewood Derby, everyone's watching because you have the most time up on the track. Right. So, so I always appreciate You know, it really, it really doesn't matter because, I mean, we had in our pack, there was a kid who just took the block, he painted it red, put mm-hmm. the wheels on, and he almost won. Yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, I'd always thought it was aerodynamics or, you know, there's something, some secret about it. When I saw this kid almost went with a block of wood, I was like, well, there's no aerodynamics involved here. So it's all the secret is, is in the wheels. You got to make sure the wheels are spinning, get that graphite on the wheels. Yep. I don't know about you guys, but our Pinewood Derby, we actually had a guy there. He actually had a Microsoft Access database. Uh-huh. He would load our kids' names in there. He would take a little video of them and they'd actually record their name and the name of the car and he would display it up on the screen. Oh, that's I awesome. Mean, cool how he did this. But the key thing was, you know, most Pinewood Derbys, they just have the track and then the adults just lift up something and the cars go. This one, he had it all tied with a cable that went back to the table where the kids were. And there was four of these little buttons. When the light went green, they all had to press the button to let the car go. Oh, so that's cool. The reaction time. So if your reaction time was good, it didn't matter really how fast your car was. If you got out of the gate first and you got the lead, you know, you usually won. And they would actually show that the reaction time. And my son, he has some supernatural reaction time that's when he awesome. won. But I mean, the car was pretty fast. I mean, I thought it was pretty fast. But when he hit that thing so quick, I mean, he got out of the gate real fast and he won and nobody could catch up to him. So that's how we won with yeah, that's that's so different from everything that I'm I'm used to because um, when I went into then Boy Scouts, we actually had our own Pinewood Derby track as a troop. Oh, so we we were the ones that would set up the track for all the different packs in the area to to run their Pinewood Derby. Um, I mean, ours was you know we had a block to to hold all the cars up, and then you'd drop the blocks, and then everybody's car would go at the same time. Uh, we had the sensors, to, you know, to track from the start to finish. But oh, I love that idea so much better. Where it's actually like, the you know the Cub Scouts participate, yeah, participation and an involvement on their side. So, you know, you're paying attention. Boom, you could. It's you that's making it win. Like you said, even if you, even if your car might be somewhat slow, if you get that, if you're the first one out, it makes all the difference to, to getting it down there. Uh, I just remember, oh yeah, one of the, one of the most unusual cars uh, that I can recall from ever working at a Pinewood Derby and it just happened to be one of the fastest, but it wasn't, it was disqualified from competing like for the regionals and all that because of the materials. But basically what they did is they attached wheels to a bottle of Tabasco sauce. So what happened was, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was fantastic. But the thing was what would happen, it was the fastest car ever because, um, 
they would start at the top and the, all the sauce would be sitting at the nose of the car and it was like pinpointed and then oh, right. it would start off real fast and then as the track leveled out the sauce kind of like smoothed out and then kicked it back so it gave it that little extra burst at the end it was just it was actually pretty cool to see yeah you know i never thought about liquid you should put a liquid in there yeah yeah so uh, it's really curious to see like um, how people handle Pinewood Derby cars and, and, and how competitive that gets. And especially um, sometimes, sometimes it's definitely more the parent doing the Pinewood yes. Derby car than the kids. So you can definitely tell uh, who, who uh, like you said, uh, needs that retribution from when they did it as a, a kid themselves. Um, but yeah, so here's another good question I have um, just because, I know that you know the lost. Uh, uh, California has quite a larger population than when I, where I grew up. How big was the pack that you were uh, den leader for? And then also, how big was the troop that uh, you and your son were involved with? Well, the packs average anywhere from thirty to forty kids, so it's a good sized pack. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are smaller, some of them are a little bit bigger. The troops they get a little smaller because you know the kids come out of Cub Scouts and they're like, eh, right, yeah. don't do it anymore. So you lose you know a chunk of those. But the, the troops can be anywhere from twenty to I know one troop around here was sixty kids. Wow, that's huge. How you manage sixty kids in a troop? I mean, yeah, I'm, thirty to forty is a good is a good number. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my troop. I think the largest I ever recall it being at one time while I was there. I think was uh 14 boys. So small. And, and that, and that, again, that was the largest it was. I mean, on average, it was about seven or eight guys, which was awesome in some sense, because that meant we're all really close, got to, you know, really have that bond with one another. But then like when you go to like jamborees and other things like that competition, it can be, you know, it can be challenging. But at the same time, I remember, um, couple things going to uh summer camp and they always had troop competition so all the troops were like pitted against each other for the whole week of summer camp um and in all sorts of different competitions it wasn't just like oh who what troop has the most merit badges completed during camp or um you know who's the fastest at tying these knots or anything like that but it was also just like um camaraderie and and just like you know really following the 12 points of the scout law and all that. And, you know, we were one of the smallest troops there, but we were just, you know, all in sync with everything. And we, and we had one for that year. So that was, that was pretty cool. And we actually were, we were competitively in the top like three for uh, like the 10 years that we went there. I think we placed, um, I think we placed nine out of 10 times. And, and in those places, I think it was seven of those were first place for, like that so i mean it was it was pretty competitive that what we did with that um and i also remember going to do like uh, a scout triage type of event and we just we were all on on point with that too we all knew how to work well with one another which can sometimes be a challenge with larger groups of people you just you know you clash so um but what's what's some of the the cool things you, that you have done um, being involved with scouting? Like, what places have you gone? What where have you gone camping that was particularly uh, great for you? Any uh, awesome, really just great experience stories? Just like oh, you ha you just being with your son and and you know going to these places, anything like that? I'd love to hear about that too. Well, we yeah, we've been quite a few places. Uh, California has quite a 
you know, cornucopia of places to go. The biggest challenge, you know, in, in California is the drive. You, know, you live near Los Angeles, and anytime you want to go anywhere, you know, for camping, it's a good drive. Um, some of the drives can be four or five hours long. Wow. There's a place called Joshua Tree, which is really nice. Uh, it's out in the desert. You got these things called Joshua Trees. They kind of look like weird-looking cactus. But uh, there's a lot of rocks. And one of the places we went to, the whole campsite was surrounded by these rocks and there were these huge boulders. And the kids got to climb on these things. It was almost like a cliff. They were like 30 feet up. And so they really enjoyed all that rock climbing. And that was a lot of fun. And we went to Camp Witsit, which is out here near uh, Lake Isabella. And that place is a really nice camp. And what's really nice that we got was that there's a creek that runs through one of the campsites. And our campsite was right on this creek. Mm -hmm. So the summer in California, it's not cold. But it was pretty warm. So we had this creek, and we'd all head down to the creek, put our feet in the water. Some of the kids would fall in, of course. <laughs> and, you know, they said there was gold. So some people were panning for gold. You know, it was a lot of fun to have that little creek there and, and then also do all the summer camp stuff. The water, though, at the lake was really cool. That's the problem with California. You know, the one thing I miss about the East Coast is the water. There's so much. I mean, there's probably a lot of water in Wisconsin. Too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you can go boating, go on the lake. You know, there's a lot of things you can do on the water. And here in California, it's basically a desert. It really is a desert out here. So when it comes to water, you don't have a lot of choices. And when you do find some water, it's pretty dadgum cold. <laughs> so... We went to a place called Oljedo, which is up near Sierra Mountains. And um, that water was better, maybe because it was just where it was, a deep lake or whatever it was. But, you know, it's just, it's, it, when you're having to do the swim test to get that pass so you can actually go play in the water, it's rough. Mm -hmm. That's in 40 degree water. It's like the whole, it takes your breath away. Yeah. Um... So is your son still in scouting or is this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, what he's range is He's almost first class. He's about all first, right. first class. So once he gets there, then it's all, you know, just. It's gravy from there. Yeah. It's a piece of cake. Um, still planning on getting uh, his eagle working oh, yeah. towards that. Absolutely. Well, and he understands the importance of that. We've graduated over a hundred eagles in our troop. Mm -hmm. um, even during this whole COVID thing, We've been running Eagle Boards of Review in our district. So we've had Zoom meetings. We actually had a kid who was in our troop, and he moved to Australia. Wow. Parents, you know, for whatever reason, they had to move or moved to Australia. And so he was almost Eagle. He was so close. But transferring to a troop down there was okay. But the problem is once you reach that rank, it was called Queen. It wasn't called Eagle. Oh, Interesting. I think I want to go back to Eagle. I wouldn't eat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we I did just, a Zoom. We did a Zoom meeting over uh, the internet, all the way from Australia. It was two o'clock his time. It was like eight o'clock, seven o'clock our time, and we did the whole board review, and it went really great. Needless to say, we didn't know it was going to be a precursor to what we were going to be doing. Uh, it was back in like November, December time. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, you were you were just well ahead of the curve, I guess, on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on uh, what your son will do for his Eagle project or any ideas on that? Well, the church that we're chartered by, they have a bunch of stuff they you know, want us to do. So he could do one of those. The other church that we go to, uh, he could do some stuff there. 
There's a lot of stuff with the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy. They've always got stuff for you. A lot of the kids would do these benches. There's a couple bridges they had to paint and redo. Uh, we do a lot of these park benches. Uh, these like kiosks that have all the paper posted on them of what to watch out for for the trail or something. These trailhead things. Yeah, so that's quite a bit for them to do. You, you haven't decided. Um, well, he still he still got some time anyway. But yeah, I I think that's that's great. I wish thinking back to mine. So for my Eagle project, I did a, um, a trail restoration on a trail that was just really beat down, um, and then also um, found and uh, a sign that was actually taken down. Uh, we they thought it was just completely stolen, but it ended up someone had pitched it into the woods and had covered it up with leaves and stuff. So we had found it. So we, we restored that, but then we also made another one. Um, I, I love my Eagle project and it's great because it was a, at a nature center that a lot of people used and it was great to restore that trail. But looking back now, I wish I could have done, figured out some way to incorporate mini golf a little bit into my Eagle project. I thought of a great idea recently would be to create a course at like summer camp or something along those lines. So other scouts have some fun with doing that, but then it could also be open to the public so they could play too. And then any money that was made at the course could then benefit the, the troops in the area or, or that particular camp. So I'm hoping to inspire someone to, to do that. So maybe uh, talk to your son and see if, if that would be something of interest for him, but, but, yeah, absolutely. And if and if he ends up deciding to do that, I'll make sure I come out to uh, partake <laughs> in that as well. I'll I'll definitely be on the first flight out to uh, California to help with that. Um, sure. When when you were in Scouts, what what uh, was one of the things that you particularly enjoyed uh, when you were growing up? What was something that was that you thought particularly was important for you to be involved in scouting and and one of maybe some of your greatest memories from doing that is. Uh, uh, yourself well the pinewood the pinewood derby was my biggest memory i mean that was so long ago i must have been what you, like uh, 10 or 11 and, mm -hmm. and uh we didn't have weeblos one and two back then okay but working on that pinewood derby car i mean my dad you know he was a skilled craftsman mm -hmm. i was a little disappointed that all of his capabilities around the house didn't get transferred down to me I guess it's going to skip a generation of the sun, but he was crazy about this car. He, you know, fashioned the car and then he drilled holes in it and filled it full of lead. And then he actually put washers on it. I'm like, can we do that? You know, is it okay? So, you know, you weigh the car. It was like, we passed the weight test, but, uh, you know, he, he really enjoyed putting that thing together. We, uh, you know, we spent, you know, some time together. That was, you know, some cherished times that we got to spend together with him being involved with the Cub Scouts. He didn't take on any leadership roles, but, uh, you know, he thought it was a good thing for me. And I just, for whatever reason, I was just interested in sports and I, you know, kind of let it go. But as I look back on it now, man, I should have stayed with it. Doesn't mean to have an eagle is so beneficial. Yeah, People absolutely. Just, I know my son has got a friend of his online that's a, a star either a star or a light mm -hmm. he's so close and he won't he doesn't want to do it out he doesn't want to do it. but you're so close why don't you just get it done and they just don't realize you know they're gonna be i've talked to so many guys in my age level you know 35 40 45 years old 
They all kicked themselves because they should have finished the inning. So close, didn't do it. Yeah, and I mean, it, it is kind of a tough thing because when you really start getting to like a uh, star in life, unless you're really just ahead of the game, that's about the time you start getting your driver's license. You start, you know, Girls. going on dates. Yep. Yep. And then it, it, it's for some people, it just starts becoming uncool and, and then they just, they drop that. But I mean, I have my Eagle, my brother has his Eagle and then my dad has an Eagle as well. Um, my grandfather definitely would have, gotten one if he was given the opportunity to pursue that when he was growing up but that just wasn't you know present for him to do um, however he was very involved with scouting the rest of his life as as, a, as an adult um, until the day he died um, he had uh, 65 years of scouting um, he was a silver beaver award recipient and um, he also was a vigil member of the order of the arrow and and he was commissioner and, and he did so many great things with scouting. Um, when he had passed, he left his uh, patch collection to me, which is, mm -hmm. is, 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 is extensive. I mean, there's, there's just so many patches and he traveled all over the country to collect these patches. And one of the, and it might be one of the largest collections of um, district mm -hmm. patches uh, potentially in the country. I'm, I'm not sure I'd have to, you know, get that professionally assessed mm -hmm. in that regard. But one of the coolest connections uh, that I had with him is uh, he actually designed a lot of patches that people used for their districts. So um, he, he was he did that professionally, designing patches for people. And when he was growing up, he was also a police officer. And he designed the police officer badge that they still currently use today in my hometown, which is it's just it's so cool. And again, that connection with scouting, you know, made that possible. Um, is there any other things that you're involved with besides um, uh, scouting? There's, are there any or, or other organizations or, or things that you are passionate about at this point in your life as well? Yeah, sure. The, uh, the one that's here locally is called 100 Men Who Give a Damn. They're kind of a slow-growing organization, and they have these like local chapters. Mm -hmm. and what it is, it's they get 100 men. Usually they don't limit it to 100 men. They don't limit it to just men either. It's women too. So what the idea is, is to get 100 men to put in 100 bucks. And then they have three charities come in. And then those three charities give their spiel of you know, why they're so good and what they're doing mm -hmm. for the community. And it's local. So it's only local charities here in the Canelo Valley. And it's called 100 Men Who Give a Damn Canelo Valley Chapter. And so we only invite local charities into this meeting. And then at the end of the spiel, we all get a little... Uh, poker chip and then there's three canisters and so you put your poker chip in whatever charity you, you think is uh, deserving and in the night they count them up who's ever got the most poker chips gets ten thousand dollars wow for some of these charities ten thousand bucks is is a big shot in the arm that's life-changing yeah yeah so you know they they really hope to win um the whole idea of this this uh, charity is to eventually this group is to grow it to more, you can go to 200 men. Uh, that way you could actually give a second and third. So you give mm -hmm. 10,000 the first, 5,000 seconds, and third. And, uh, you know, as, as they continue to grow, they'll hopefully get to do that. But it's a growing movement across the, the country. They're trying to get this to, you know, it's a great networking opportunity because you get to meet a lot of the people in the community. 
these guys that run it are in a financial firm, so they're getting a lot of clients from this. And I'm like, you know, it's a great, great, I'm trying to get the Boy Scouts in there to do their speed. So I put them on the list. Uh, but we haven't gotten called up yet, so hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I'm going to have to see if there's anything like that around me in Wisconsin. I'll have to check to see because that sounds like a great uh, great thing because I do a lot of charity with my um, mini golf stuff as well. So that would be pretty cool to to nominate other organizations that I've been involved with. But um, I think that's just a really cool idea as well. Um, how do like the, the three organizations – so I'm sure there's more than three that submit for you know yeah. each of these. And is this an annual event or is this like – um, no, right now it's right now it's every quarter. Okay. So three months they'll put out a thing and say it's available. You know we're doing our quarterly meeting and this is the date and time. The thing that kind of got me though originally was I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, David Murdoch who basically started Dole. Yeah. You know, okay. Nye for a while, one of the islands out in Hawaii, and he's been running Dole for you know years. And he actually lives here in Thousand Oaks. Okay. So the first event that I went to was at his house. Wow. So I'm going to a billionaire's house here in Thousand Oaks. I'm saying, hey, I got a hundred bucks. I'll go to this guy's house. You know, what the heck? So, I mean, it was an amazing place to be able to go there. He actually spoke at one of the events that I went to. And I saw it was such a good group and a good opportunity that I've continued to go. But all of these things have been held at Sherwood Country Club. I'm not too familiar with that out here, but Tiger Woods held one of his tournaments mm-hmm. out here, and I've played it twice. It's a great course. Uh, Caitlin Jenner actually is a member. The reason I tell people that you know, she turned turned into a woman is because so she could play the red team at Sherwood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it was great to be able to go to this you know place and see this guy. So it's it's been you know I. I try to get more people involved into it. Try to get more of the charities to get involved. A lot of the charities are, you got wounded warriors showing up, or warriors with dogs, kids charities trying to help out the homeless and less fortunate communities. Good organization. Yeah, yeah that, sounds, that sounds fantastic. Um, how, how, what, what other kind of stuff happens during that night of the event? So like, uh, um, do you guys have a dinner? Is there speeches, other presentations? Like what else happens going on during that? Uh... Well, when you show up, you just check in. They give you your uh-huh. poker chip. Uh, you go into the wherever it's being held, mm-hmm. and they've got uh, open bar. They've got um, – usually what they'll do is they'll go get some of the local food places, the restaurants, and have them cater the event. And they will, by offering the food for free to this event, you know, they get some great advertising because they get some Absolutely. people that show up to this event. And so they get their name out there. They, people can sample, you know, their food. Uh, they get some breweries to show up to give away some of their beer. You know, it's a great event. It's a kind of a win-win for the community. And so you have drinks and, and have some snacks and some food. And then as, the, you know, you do some networking with some of the people there. And as the time wears on, then it's time for the, three charities to come up and speak. And they have already been working the room, you know, to talk to all the different sure. people there. Like, this is our charity. This is what we do. Let me tell you about us. So that before they even get up to speak, you know, they've already tried to win over a bunch of people. Yeah, it sounds like a great time. Um, 
Garrett, I thank you so much for being um, part of my show tonight. Um, how can people find, uh, find you and reach out to you if, uh, if they want to connect with you? Uh, my website is garrett.com, G-E-R-R-I-T-T.com. And you can go there and you can see some of my antics on Holy Moly. You can see uh, my career, my scouting career. You can also see some stuff I've done on the spiritual side, the church. And um, yeah. Awesome. All right. People check, make sure you check that out. Also, we'll be having a uh, guest profile uh, created for Garrett in the guest directory. So you'll be able to click on all the links that we got there. We'll have his website there as well. And also make sure you tune in for another special episode with Garrett when we talk about um, our experiences on Holy Moly Season 2. It's definitely going to be a blast, and uh, it's, it's crazy. There's so much juicy, good stuff that, you know, definitely won't make television but we all want to talk about for sure so it'll be a behind good time. the scenes yeah behind the scenes exclusive with us so um uh tune in next time uh for power for the course and we'll see you soon thanks for being on thanks. the show garrett bye no problem. and that's all the time we have for today don't forget to check out the guest profiles for each of our guests uploaded on fridays on the power for the course business podcast website Tune in next week to hear another great episode of Par for the Course with another great guest and me, Mr. Minigolf. The Par for the Course podcast is a Mr. Minigolf production. Music was produced by Donald Alford II.